Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to help shape your knowledge of the industry. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your hosts today are Carol Town and myself, Emma Hayes. Thank you, Emma. So for a quick look at what's been going on in the marketplace this week, councils in South Dublin, um, Dunleary, Rathdown and Fingal voted on Monday not to change property tax bills for 2020. Also, construction activity in August picked up for the first time in four months, according to the latest construction purchasers, uh, purchasing managers index. Um, Ulster Bank said the improvement in August reflected a better performance across the three main subsectors of housing, civil engineering and commercial. The housing sector saw the sharpest increase in activity last month and it remained the strongest performing category in August. However, the index revealed that new orders had decreased, with the August reading marking the slowest pace of new business growth in four and a half years. So despite some positive indicators, confidence in the sector is at its uh, lowest level since 2010. Uh, separately, Final bids are expected on the glass bottle site in Ringsend, according to the Irish Times. NAM has placed a minimum bid value of £125 million on the site. Now, also, we were discussing earlier that several weeks ago, we reported that uh, Dublin City Council hired four people to effectively police the use of illegally placed sandwich boards in the city centre. It has now been revealed that Dublin City Council has has seized 57 sandwich boards from businesses in the first week of crackdown. Now, look, I think this is outrageous. I'm not no. excusing poor placement of um, of these sandwich boards that cause mobility issues or accessibility issues. Yeah. But at a time when retail is clearly suffering, Dublin City Council should be using these resources to come up with a smart or digital solution that actually helps businesses. So I'm, I'm, I think this is outrageous that Dublin City Council are, yeah. are wasting resources and attacking businesses like that. But... Yeah. <laughs> you told me why I was wrong. Yeah. So why no, is that? No, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm on. I, I'm not saying I'm against it. But um, I suppose what I'm saying is, is that I've seen what sandwich boards. I've seen people kind of um, walking down the street, and I know a person that actually got hit by a sandwich board, and it kind of sliced the leg off her. And I suppose from that point of view, I understand that they do have challenges. I'm not just talking about mobility issues, but they do. So in some cases, on very small streets, they do block up for people that are on like scooters, which we're actually going to talk about in a while. But also powered, you know, powered. Um, transport. Yeah, look, I, I understand that and I understand, you know, for wheelchair users and yeah. for people with push chairs and even for people who are sight impaired yeah, exactly. um, which actually includes me at the moment. So, yeah. you know, I, I genuinely understand these issues. However, we know that retail is suffering. We know the city centres yeah. and by the way, town centres are suffering as well and sandwich boards are there to attract new business yeah. in into the retailers. Okay. So surely, yeah. rather than hiring four new staff members yeah, which and is ridiculous. going on a yeah. rampage against these businesses mm. surely um, a call a call to action a call for innovation could be put out and you yeah. know to see what what innovation can we come up with you know yeah. what kind of digital solution yeah. and I don't mean just a, a text alert as you're passing you know they're yeah. invasive and they're annoying but, but perhaps digital displays um, yeah. there has to be a better solution than yeah. this so and I think I'm, we talked about this earlier and I agree with you and if anyone is into technology mm. or out there I think now is the time to kind of come up with a solution that might not you know, might solve this problem. And also, we don't need businesses. Like they're saying six have paid a €100 euro fee. Um, they're saying that the annual charge is 630 levelling for new inspectors. It's all money. money. So, the, like, Are these the fees to get your sandwich boards back? Or oh, to have well, them €100 euro is the fee that you have to pay if you're after being found to have it without paying your annual licence. Okay. So this is the issue, well, the biggest issue at the moment. So so I think definitely it is going to be a huge thing for 
shops and for restaurants and especially because everyone walking by you do need those signs there I do agree with you 100% you need some sort of signage, uh, some yeah. sort of alert to bring so people maybe in. it is time we embrace a more digital solution yeah. you know maybe an augmented reality are, are mm. people ready for that I don't know we're talking about tourist trails that would incorporate augmented reality yeah. to show your way around Dublin we're talking about yeah. um, augmented reality tours of historic yeah. Dublin but also other cities now are starting to use augmented reality for their signage yeah. um, so for things like for signage that that changes during the day so for example where you can park at certain hours but not Mm. at other hours all of those signages uh, all those signs would actually be operated by way of um, augmented reality so there are definitely solutions that the resources could be put towards however when you see um, a progressive local authority like Dublin City Council who has one of the one of uh, actually a a world uh, award winning Smart Dublin smart and Smart Dublin. Yeah, smart it's outrageous that this is the solution. Yeah. So, in fact, no, I agree. I if do anybody does have a solution, uh, pitch it to Dublin City Council. You can't be told they've no budget <laughs> because they've just hired four people. Yeah, and this is us. definitely a good time to do it, it would seem. So, definitely, yeah, right. it'd be interesting to see. So, Emma, um, you're going to talk about some of the issues that are open to public consultation. Yes. Is it my imagination, or have there been a lot more. Um, I suppose topics put out to public consultation than we would have previously seen. I or, think definitely. I, okay. I think I thought maybe that was just the case with myself, being more aware of public consultation and obviously working in the sector and understanding how things are working. Yeah. But I generally I couldn't believe it when I was looking through things over the last couple of days, the amount of public consultations which we could never cover here. A couple of weeks ago we covered uh, that the control of dogs was yes. uh, being put out which to public been consultation. Now, so we can't argue about that. Well, we can still, still argue about it because unfortunately I, I, I put in a lobbying call for dog owners and dog lovers yes. to make sure and have your to say wish. because otherwise... Did you vote your opinion? I didn't. That's Neither did I. So there we go. And, and we're two dog lovers. Yes. Okay. yes. What, what's currently open for public uh, well, consultation? The, the big one and a lot of people know more than the dogs, the e-scooters scru- the are a topic of interest and a public consultation has, consultation has opened asking the public to voice their opinions on whether to amend the, the legislation on them at the moment. Um, e-scooters can be bought for as little as €400 Euros and it seems, well I know myself, I've seen a surge in them like in our towns mm-hmm. and everything. The problem is is that they are causing accidents. I know there was an accident, don't quote me, but there was an accident London recently and I think it was quite serious Um, like I I think they are genuinely a lot of people are becoming frustrated with them and now Shane Ross was obviously asking for people to voice their opinion he did do some sort of research on it um, asked the RSA to do some sort of um, report on it and now he has decided to put it out to public consultation so therefore anyone with any opinions it is probably now the right time to do it I'm really I'm really happy to see that this going out to public consultation because actually in a lot of the smart city initiatives that we're looking at and particularly in terms of urban planning Hmm. transport is such a huge issue and every time we talk about urban planning on the show it actually um we actually spiral down into public transport issues and mobility around the city Mm -hmm. and and transport in general issues Mm -hmm. and what we're seeing is that despite the development that's happened Ireland and particularly Dublin hasn't kept pace um, in terms of we're putting forward very um, progressive developments but we're not embracing progressive Mm. modes of transport and I look we won't we won't circle back to Bus Connects because we've covered that several times on the show before that was discussed today on the radio earlier on the show and and Look, for Bus Connects, I actually think it's one of the most progressive plans that the city has put forward. And I think it's just been really badly communicated. And that's why the public haven't embraced it the way they should. But there's something wrong in a progressive, modern, contemporary city where people are using public transport that was put in place Mm -hmm. more than a century ago and using the same routes. But but this is where the e-scooters, I think, actually can really 
come into play because we need to reduce traffic. We need a more yeah. streamlined traffic. Yeah. We need a better choice. And by the way, I also think this is true for cyclists and it's something we're going to be dealing yeah. with later on in Definitely. the show. Um, yeah. I'm delighted Cycloc. we have Louise, Louise Murphy here from Psylocke to, to talk about that and to talk about the importance of it. But yeah. for e-scooter use, what I would recommend to anybody that public consultation is currently open if you feel strongly about this mm. voice your opinion where can people find out more information well, about that? Well they can that? find out on placeengage.com and also on gov.ie um, all the public consultations will be up there so Very good Yeah. and so what else is open? Uh, we have also there is a public consultation open on Rural Development Policy 2020 the, develop, the Department of Rural and Community Development is currently developing a new whole of government rural development policy for Ireland this will follow on from the Action Plan for Rural Development which was published in January 2017 and reached the end of its three year time frame in 2019. Um, the new rural policy will be forward looking with a five year time frame and will focus on strengthening our rural communities and economics. So okay, that's again something we've covered on the show here yeah. previously, but I'm we've had We've had uh, different forms of this open uh, over the last number of years under the National Planning Framework. Mm. And in some areas, the level of public engagement has been really low. Mm. And unfortunately, it's after the public consultation closes and then several months after that, the findings of that are published and then people speak out and it really is too late. So actually, from a communications point of view, I think Mm. maybe the government aren't aren't educating people on the fact that public consultation is exactly as it sounds. Well, it's I would totally agree public. with you there. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree with you. I don't think there's enough. Anyone I talk to, like friends, people I know, no one is aware of these issues and no one's aware that they actually, like a lot of them wouldn't be aware of public consultation in their opinion. So I think it's important. It is communicating it. So check out paceengage.com. It always has updated stuff on uh, public engagement. But I'm um, sorry, public consultation and everything. And it's good okay. for the communities to get involved and to have their voice because everyone's giving out about e-scooters. Like I'm we'll come back to it I know mm. it's and, and dogs and you know being left loose to run around everywhere but like unless you're going to voice your opinion you're really leaving yourself and no yet patience. the control of dogs is something both you and I feel strongly about yeah. neither of us contributed to that why? I, uh, well, yeah, I forgot I did not realise that it was closed and actually I was going to cover it today and then I realised it was closed and I was like right well we lost that uh, opportunity but yeah lesson learned and that's definitely but is that communications that, that they about. need to work on then themselves as opposed to you know is there messaging mismessaging going on there yeah and is there an element of have we all forgotten how to be good citizens but yeah, look the maybe. public consultation in relation to rural development policy 2020 and, and beyond that's a really important one because we are seeing a huge move in terms of uh, remote work mm. and co-working True. spaces opening up in old creameries in North Kerry and out on the Dingle Peninsula and over in in Sligo and Mayo and down in, mm. in rural Wexford so these are really important initiatives um, again it's all about these you know economic and societal and really international developments you know we want to we want to really the demographics in rural Ireland are changing and mostly mostly they're changing negatively so mm-hmm. we need to actually do some stimulus yeah. there and the frustrating thing here we have so many bodies that that are involved in this and yet there doesn't seem to be kind of a joined up thinking so maybe it's time that actually the community did get involved mm. yeah, so definitely. look um, the public consultation for rural policy rural development policy is mm. open until the 11th of October yeah. so I Plenty would encourage I would encourage and by the way 
you and I both live in rural, different counties, but in rural yeah. counties outside of Dublin. So actually, there's one that you and I will both have an opinion about. So I be. think lead by example. Let's, <laughs> no, let's do that because actually, I, I see here for this. There's actually they're actually looking at the next version of what rural funding schemes would be like yeah. cap and leader. And I, as a you know, working with business startups. I come across so many people who tell me that involvement with leader and funding through leader has changed their business. It's it's catapulted the, their right. business. So actually, this is something that we do need to we do need to be talking about. Definitely. So yeah. look, we'll resolve to make submissions to the yeah. rural. I'll add it to policy. the Asana list task. <laughs> that's Asana. That's our Asana, um, <laughs> our our AI powered um, virtual assistant in the office. Yeah, yeah, she's hard work. She is. You s- I, I say virtual <laughs> assistant and you say taskmaster there's something wrong there okay what else is open for public uh, consultation open for public consultation is Dublin City's White Water Rafting Centre um, it's just about the plans to transform George's Dock in the north inner city with a fantastic white water canoeing kayaking and rescue centre facility um, I, I believe the elections caused the plans to be delayed but now because of the change in the councils and everything well then this has been resurrected the, by recent reports anyway it is open until the 3rd of October and anyone that anyone like it's a 12 million project and anyone that's in the inner city I suppose would have an opinion on this but also I suppose people that are enthusiasts of the water rafting rafting kind of stuff and everything which I I wouldn't know much about it now to be honest but if you're interested in water sports and it does look I looked at the pictures of it and the plans it does look really like cool dare I say it like so yeah yeah, it's interesting I'm actually really excited to see this one because we've been doing quite a lot of um, place making down around the Docklands and it's an area that has just transformed Mm, over the last decade Um, and this is exactly what we want to see we don't just you know there there have there's been a lot of criticism that um, the Docklands is being built for essentially daytime use. That mm-hmm. it's been, you know, these fabulous new uh, office buildings, but not as many apartments or where there are apartments that they're not being mm-hmm. used all the time. Or maybe that the people who are using them are using them um, in a somewhat temporary way or mm-hmm. short term rentals and therefore not involving themselves in the community. And actually, from a placemaking point of view, this is a problem we had when mm. we started to get involved in placemaking. What we found was that there really was a divide between the community that has been living around this area for generations. And then you have new business occupiers going in and you, then you've got the the business occupiers, you've got their employees coming in. Mm. And in a lot mm. of cases, um, you know, there are simple things that can really help a local area. Like, for example, one of the best placemaking initiatives I saw down around George's Dock and around that part of the Docklands is, you know, there was a, one of the, the tech, in, uh, the um, international tech employers, and I won't name which, but uh, they were incentivizing their, their staff, as they all do, by providing all food free in their in their premises and in fact that was actually seen to be not encouraging and and not supporting the local eateries and the local places Mm. and effectively it meant that that their employees weren't leaving the office during the day because they didn't need to leave the Mm. office so actually a simple act of instead of providing food in their offices by providing food vouchers yes. for local eateries. So it not just stimulated business outside of mm. the offices and in these local areas, but it actually got people out into these areas. Yeah. And you see buildings like the CHQ. I yeah, mean, I can remember a, place. a decade ago, the CHQ was empty. Mm. You know, I, really walking well. yeah. through. Whereas now, every it's it's yeah. absolutely thriving. Yeah. So actually, I think this is a really important one. And I think Limerick.ie were working on that. Didn't they do something like that with the food vouchers to kind of bring 
so people go out and get food and everything like that. Did they? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I didn't uh, see that, but yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And I think actually all their whole initiative of like you know building up Limerick City and you know the way they've got a big plan of their future plans there and the digital city and digital strategy. So yeah, yeah, Perfect. part of it was food vouchers. So I think it's a great idea. You see, Definitely. that's that's all place making. So yeah. I would say to anybody that's interested in seeing the transformation of George's Dock, I mean, look, we need to help the North Inner City. Mm. So this would be a fantastic white water canoeing kayaking and Sounds rescue great. centre facility so this is fantastic so um, it's open for public consultation until the 3rd of October, October yeah. and I, I'm just looking that's actually within the historic environment so they're yeah. they're developing that with sensitivity yeah. to retain yeah, and the, the environmental um, team and whatever has also cleared it for like that it's not going to do any damage to anything around it. so I believe anyway from the public consultation all the details again on placecage.com Okay, that's, that's great. Yeah. Emma, thank you so much for that. No so details of all open public consultation is on placeengage.com and I think on an ongoing basis we're going to look at projects that are open for public consultation because there's mm. definitely a disconnect between uh, the projects that government are uh, the, the government is actually requesting people's opinion on mm-hmm. and again, people are waiting until after it's closed to give out about I myself am guilty of that. I'm more than likely going to give mm-hmm. out about whatever yeah. outcome comes from um, the, the control dog of dogs. Yes, definitely. So actually, this this is something that we're going to really in the name of civic engagement and good yeah. citizenship. Um, and by the way, I, I think that maybe there's potential here for a gamified version of this. <laughs> but good yeah. citizenship Probably. is the aim. Yep. OK, um, so look, after the commercial break, we will, if you join us, we'll be talking to Joanne Geary, Director of Customer Experience and Innovation from Sherry Fitzgerald to talk about the new online bidding system and more. Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM. Oh, will you look at them go? I wish I had their energy. Ah, they're good for the soul though, aren't they? I can't imagine life without Lucky. (laughs) But he might outlive me yet. Oh, well take my advice and sign up for a Dogs Trust Canine Care card. It's completely free and it's given me such peace of mind since I did. What's that? Well, it's simple really. It means if you pass away before Lucky, Dogs Trust will take him in and give him the care and love he needs until they match him with the perfect forever home. That sounds terrific. How much did you say it costs? It doesn't cost a cent. Great. How do I sign up? Just text CARE to 50100 and they'll call you with more information. Or you can go to dogstrust.ie. Well, that's wonderful advice. I'll do that right away. Here, Lucky. Good boy. Whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union, where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply, Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Senior Line is a confidential telephone service for older people. Free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're open every day of the year from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., including Christmas Day and New Year. So it's free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're there if you need someone to talk to and need someone to listen. We're older people too, so we will understand, and we're very good at listening. Did you get the senior line number? It's free phone 1800 80 45 91. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. 
Now, welcome back to Property Matters here on Dublin South FM with Carol Talon and myself, Emma Hayes. You can contact us on, on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email us at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. As mentioned before the break, first up in studio with us today, we have Joanne Geary, Director of Customer Experience and Innovation from Sherry Fitzgerald. We are delighted to have you here with us today, delighted Joanne. To thanks very here. much for coming over. Thank and I, uh, thanks very much for joining us, as I as I said already. Um, I was just wondering, um, it's great to have you here because like, there's so much that we could speak to you about with Sherry Fitzgerald, obviously a huge company. And um, I know you have been investing in digital platforms and I was just hoping you could kind of give us some more insights on what's been going on with Sherry Fitz and the digital sure. platforms. Yeah. That's all right. Well, look, delighted. I mean, I suppose the first thing to say is, you know, any form of technology in our business really is there to serve the customer, to make it a much better experience for them, you know, if they're communicating with us, especially in that whole buying process. But the important point is really smart technology is one thing, but actually you still need really good agents negotiating, communicating, advising, handholding the customer a lot of the time. So the technology is there really to enable our agents probably be a little bit more efficient, but also to provide, you know, a slicker digital service, but it doesn't replace the agent, you know, in, yeah. in the midst of it all. Yeah, I, I think it's great to see technology um, actually even be considered as a tool as opposed to an offering, mm-hmm. because that's exactly what it needs to be. The fact that um, Sherry Fitzgerald deal with 15% of all residential transactions in yeah. Ireland, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's good. It's representative of the buying, the residential buying community. Yeah. So, how are buyers, particularly first-time buyers and inexperienced buyers, how are they finding this? Well, the reaction today. Well, first thing to say is we launched my Sherry Fitz um, mm. last October. Yeah. So we're almost a full year into having rolled out the platform now. The buyer feedback and our customer feedback has been wholeheartedly positive. We've dealt with almost a thousand offers that have just shy of a thousand offers that have come through our platform um, to date. So we've again about nine and a half thousand registered users in our first rollout of this. It's available through all offices, all our 95 offices around the country. So, you know, we've got the feedback from our buyers, you know, we've done focus groups, we've done, Mm. you know, numerous surveys, we've spoken to people one to one. What people, what our buyers tell us that they really like about the system is that transparency that you can now see, you know, at a glance, all offers that are available on a property. So just to explain to you how it works, um, a buyer goes on to mysherryfits.ie, they uh, register very quick email address that's all we want from you and if you want to uh, see an offer on a property or make an offer on a property um, we ask you just to register to do that once we approve you and we've checked that you are a real person you're not a robot we go through a bit of a small um, process around that uh, you can see the current highest offer on a particular property at that time and you can make offers and uh, that offer is then approved or rejected by the agent. So there is an agent still in the background, you know, approving the Responding. offers on that property. This okay. is not online uh, auctions. You know, it's not a system doing it. It's mm. an, an agent actually yeah. there. And the agent very often is talking to you on the phone as well, you know, giving you advice. You know, invariably people have questions as well about, you mm. know, uh, the property. But usually what we find are that the people who are making offers through the system They've already been along to a viewing. 
we mm. know them, we've met them at viewings, yeah. they've spoken to us, you know, mm. we know that they're particularly interested in that property. So the transaction isn't going completely online? No, I mean, we're, we're making that uh, offers, the uh, transparency piece yeah. around the offers has yeah. been really been the disruptive piece probably mm. for a traditional, you know, private treaty sale, which... 95, 96% of the residential sales are still private treaty. And the feedback that we were getting, as all agents get, is, you know, buyers invariably were saying, you know, I think I'm bidding against myself. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily trust that there is another offer or other bidders involved in the process. And that was always, I suppose, part of you know, the the CX piece, the customer experience piece that never sat very comfortably with us. in Sherry Fitzgerald, for the last number of years, if you rang up to inquire on the status of a property, we were telling you over the phone what the level of uh, offer was on that property. So we were telling you over the phone anyway, or telling you in person, or if you called into the branch. So the next logical step for us was to open up our system. Mm-hmm. And essentially, that's what we've done. And we've also enabled our customers now to be able to see and make offers out of office hours. So essentially, we're, as we say in our ads now, we're a 24-7 business. Mm -hmm. So you can make offers on properties, you know, see what the current status is at nine o'clock on a Saturday night or 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning. You don't have to wait for us to be open at nine o'clock in the morning. And actually, I did see that that you've opened up to booking for viewings online, which, by the way, after working as a buyer's agent for a decade, that's something a decade and a half ago I would have absolutely welcomed. Um, You know, so that's a a huge thing because actually I can remember even, you know, going back five, six, seven, eight years ago, people actually hiring buyers agents because um, their work meant yeah. that they weren't available mm-hmm. nine to five. So therefore, they mm-hmm. simply weren't available to make the viewings or attend the yeah. viewings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, a couple of years ago, we had the trend of only doing these um, open viewings, yeah. although that's I, I know that that's changed somewhat again. Uh, we do a blend of both. We mm. do open viewings. We also do, you know, private kind of one on one viewings. Mm. But actually, if you think of the role of the estate agent, the estate agent is on the road a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and they're out there, you know, doing market appraisals or they're doing valuations. You know, they're in and out of the office. They're on the phone back and forth to the office. So for a customer to phone, you know, a receptionist in the office, invariably the receptionist is taking the message, you know, trying to organise yeah. to, you know, talk to the agent to find out what time that property is in view. It could be you know, days could go by before you get, you know, a, a response on can I actually go and see that property? Yeah, no, That's not a good experience. You know, people need absolutely. to be. You can book your hair yeah. appointments online. Yeah. You should surely be sure. able to book in. I, I can't remember to the last time I phoned a restaurant. Yes. Yeah. I didn't just yeah. Google well, it. I don't think you do. I think we just want the, the on-demand generation, yeah. which is going yeah. to get stronger yeah. as we go towards with changing demographics yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, kids being, yeah. everybody wants, on, you know, Netflix, yeah. streaming, everything. So Everything's going. Us, it, it was the next logical step yeah. in our business mm-hmm. that, you know, again, Sherry Fitzgerald and I'm, you know, I'm lucky, it's a private company. I'm lucky to, to work in mm-hmm. a company that probably takes, you know, that market leadership step to be able to say these are issues for our customers. We have to be able to resolve these. Mm -hmm. So we spent quite a bit of time, probably about two years ago when we were doing the research around these platforms to actually really understand what was frustrating for our customers, how we could save them time, how we could make the process much simpler for them around making offers, around booking in for viewings Mm -hmm. and how we could resolve that within our own systems. So that's what we spent our time doing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and to date it's been, um, as I say, the feedback has been extremely positive. Okay. Not only from buyers, but also from vendors. Uh, well, I would imagine it would work very mm-hmm. well for vendors because I, I, this, even at uh, the most superficial level, you're dealing with every pain point a seller yeah. would have had apart yeah. from actually selling the property. Yeah. So as in and keeping I, up to date, know who's coming in and viewing your yeah. property, know when the last communication was. Yeah. And, you know, invariably, if you're selling your house, if you're a vendor, a vendor very much understand that what's good for the buyer is good for the sale of their property. Uh So, you know, vendors very much, you know, have embraced wholeheartedly this idea that buyers can view and make offers on their on their home Mm. at nine o'clock on a Saturday night. Yeah. That is what Sherry Fitzgerald offers yeah. to a vendor of, that we have on the books. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's something quite refreshing, actually. You know, as you started talking about some of the prop tech solutions that Sherry Fitzgerald has had, have deployed, and I know we're going to talk about some of the things that are in the works. Mm-hmm. Your first point was that it's all about improving the customer experience. Yeah. And in fact, one of the first things we do, you know, when we're speaking to agents about digital transformation, so many of them feel mm. it's about improving efficiencies yeah. in house. It's about, That's you know, their true, internal actually, communications, yeah. Yeah. about yeah. their internal. And they just don't see the bigger picture that actually the the whole purpose of using this technology is mm. that you help create this frictionless mm-hmm. transaction. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you have to understand that the environment that we operate yeah. in, you know, as a, a, a mainly a residential bu- mm-hmm. agency business, obviously we have new homes and lettings and property management and so on as well. But as a mainly residential sales agency business, we earn our fee by providing a really excellent customer service. So advising our customers, handholding them, really helping them understand that negotiation piece. People come to Sherry Fitz because they want to, when they're selling their property, they want to get the absolute maximum sales price for that property. Mm -hmm. They come to us because we are Granted, we are market leader, but also because we offer things like this to make the buying experience much better. So fundamental to our business model is excellent customer service. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that is what this platform offers. It's just another way, as well as our branch network, you still need a really strong branch network. You need really strong advertising. Mm. You need excellent social media channels, but you also need really good digital platforms like yeah. this. Um, tell me, I, I, so I can see absolutely that this is working for sellers mm-hmm. and I can see mm-hmm. for the majority of buyers, they would absolutely see the benefit mm-hmm. of this. How are you bringing some of your more seasoned agents mm-hmm. from right across the country? How are you bringing them along with you on this journey? It was interesting when we actually started doing our own internal workshops on how this would work. Um, it was interesting that it was the to use your own terms, the more seasoned um, agents that actually really understood the benefits of this. Strip away the fact that it's on a digital platform and Mm -hmm. you do it through mobile and so on. Strip that away. Actually, what the uh, more seasoned agents um, completely understood was this probably re-established in a very obvious way the integrity piece around the role. Mm. You know, I think there is a perception out there and it is a perception from customers that they feel that maybe the agent is, you know, kind of pulling numbers out of the sky when it comes to offers. Mm -hmm. You know, invariably that isn't the case. Mm -hmm. The agent's job is to try and get the property sold and they're going to do everything to make sure that 
you know, that happens mm. in, you know, a, a very um, customer friendly way. But that's their job. Their job is mm. to get the property sold and to get the maximum price for the vendor and make sure that the buyer has a good experience along the way. So the older agents definitely saw that by opening up the system, that whole credibility, that trust factor, that integrity piece Quantified. that they all know mm. yeah. that that is that's, what makes a really mm. good agent mm. a really good agent. That's a really great point. Yeah. And in fact, you know, just so just mm. so we don't sound ageist in saying this, one of the things I, I always talk about when we talk about innovation is that actually if you're innovative mm-hmm. at 22, you'll be innovative yeah. at 82. So this isn't an age thing. It's no. absolutely a mindset no. thing. And I think actually um, uh, earlier breeds of of estate agents and traditional auctioneers were invariably mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So they understood adaptability yeah. and they understood yeah. innovation, but they also understood that nobody eats unless everybody's happy. Yeah, And exactly. this this is a way to achieve yeah. everybody being yeah. happy. And mm-hmm. really, I suppose the point you're referencing is a good one, which is this is about the experienced agents know that it takes a lot of advice and handholding to actually Bring a a buyer Mm -hmm. and a vendor, Mm -hmm. you know, to a conclusion point, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's so many variables along the way that property sales can fall out of bed as they do, you know. So a good experienced agent kind of knows how to keep everything on track for the best outcome for both. Because invariably you have somebody that wants to sell their property and you have somebody that wants to buy that property mm-hmm. you know so they just need to keep everything and on like track. like you said anyway any seasoned agents they should be if they're 20-30 years there's already been huge changes Carol even yeah, before this no, you know yeah. and there has yeah. like there we has. looked at DAF my yeah. home obviously Sherry Fitz yeah. would have mm-hmm. began that and everything like the, the innovation is happening mm-hmm. and it I would has love been to see that innovation yeah. stretch as far as the conveyance of solicitors that's, I, that, well, that's yeah. kind of the final <laughs> frontier as far as I'm concerned on it's this flawless technology not doing that smart transaction flawless technology yeah, no, yeah. Th- and there's a number actually. Yeah, th- yeah they're doing, and um, there's actually a number of technologies now that are actually mm. aiming to to improve this. But we're still nowhere near where we need to be on mm. the conveyance side. That's but that true. that's for another that's show. And yeah. um, Joanne, mm-hmm. talk to me about the digital market and the appraisal kits. Yeah, I mean, what, what is that? Th- that's been a very that was part of our digital transformation program as well as the buyer platform, mm-hmm. our um, digital market appraisal kit is probably a very kind of in-house, you know, way of, of describing something, which is basically um, for our agents when they go out to win business. So they go out to your home. Uh, Carl, you've called us out to do a, a market appraisal or evaluation on your house because you're thinking of selling. We um, felt that because we're, you know, very much promoting you can talk to us in person, call into a branch, but you also have a digital platform. We needed to digitize that kind of business winning tool as well. So we have a kit now that all our people, um, all our agents around the country can use to go out and win that business. The, um, I suppose, the bespoke element of it for Sherry Fitzgerald is we've also developed a a product called MyVals, which is our own system that we use to take um, comparable properties from Daft, my home, and uh, the property price register, as well as our own system, to allow us come up with a very accurate market valuation on your home. And we can do that in a live environment in your living room or dining room to show you 
if we're valuing your, valuing your home at 285,000 euro, how we've got to 285,000 euro. We all also can use that system to do live matches from our system to show you how many buyers we can match to on the database. So you can see. That's an interesting yeah, one interesting. for people selling, because mm-hmm. actually that's always the first question yeah. that anybody who's even mm-hmm. contemplating yeah. selling. Yeah. They, they need to understand what the marketplace yeah. is like for them. So we can run a live report, show you how many buyers we have on the system, show you the demographics around those buyers, their reason for buying. And, and do, you, do you actually tailor that? So to say, that for example, um, I'm selling a four bed detached home that's 650,000. Are you actually using those yeah. those parameters? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so it's as we would do it back at the office, mm-hmm. you know, um, we do hand matches, live matches from our system to know exactly who do we have. Invariably, for certain properties, an age and you'll remember this from your agency days, Carl, an agent will know I have a handful Mm -hmm. of really keen buyers that would be really keen on this home Mm -hmm. because they were the underbidder on the property around the corner or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, but we do that in our uh, digital MA kit, we can do that. We also have, you know, um, various different ways of showing our uh, vendors how the fee percentage works, for example, because, you know, people have that kind of percentage versus sales price, they need to be able to get their head around that. Can you explain that? It's um, so, for example, uh, our fee, it's how we would explain it. If Mm -hmm. we were putting your property on the market at a certain price, it would just calculate that for you. And what the end fee would be. Uh, Yeah, yeah, what the end, what the agency fee would be. And break down what the entire offering. Exactly. And we bring you through our marketing schedules and and so on and so forth. Well, that's increasingly important now as we're seeing the introduction of fixed price estate agents Mm -hmm. into the market because one of the really important things they've had to do, and we've featured fixed price um, estate agents on the show previously, and one of the really important things to do is actually list the services that are included. So if you're comparing to ensure that you're comparing like, like with like. With like yeah. So that's that's yeah. another really important one. Yeah. Um, I understand that you have recently introduced online chat. Yeah, online chat has been a feature of our business um, for probably about the last, you know, I would say realistically, six months or so. But you're not using chatbots? Not at the moment. So We're it's using all live, hands-on? Not live people, humans, <laughs> to, <laughs> to manage our chat. Uh, real people, talking to real people. And um, are these in local offices or is it only happening kind of in Dublin? Or? We, we have a panel of people that um, work within um, within the group um, that would deal with all online chat mm-hmm. queries that come through the website. An interesting feature of the website, actually, as well as online chat, and I, I, I just felt this would be worth mentioning in today, We've had a big upsurge in interest from international traffic. So we've had 30% increase from wow. UK visitors in the last three months. And in the month of August Probably alone, not we've had 45% increase from US visitors. Now, that Forty- isn't. Sorry, 45% from US From US visitors. in August alone. Wow. Now, the Trump effect, the Boris effect, you That's know, amazing. I think. You know, certainly that international traffic coming to sherryfits.ie has definitely increased in momentum hugely in the Mm -hmm. last um, Mm -hmm. period. Not that surprising. 
but you know, well, that, that's huge but I know um, Sherry Fitzgerald is quite active mm-hmm. in promoting yeah. the agency in London do yes you, do you do that in the US um, well we've recently been in the Financial Times for example we've run print wow. ads in the Financial Times international so that would be UK mm-hmm. US Europe um, which would account for some of that traffic for sure but I think generally you know people are coming to us from the US and those UK markets because they can see what Ireland offers. We offer good value mm-hmm. for money, stable economy, you know, liberal society, you know, th- the uh, price point here to get a, a property no is Boris or a lot less than <laughs> what it would be in the London market, for yeah. example. You know, relatively uh, cheap and inexpensive education offerings. Plus, we've got the big multinational sector that's here as well, you know, so employment that's, opportunities. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting one. And actually, Joanne, you might come back mm-hmm. after, yeah. after the 31st of October. Sure. <laughs> and, and have another discussion about it. Yeah. Because actually, there's so much that I wanted to talk to you about to break down some of the digital offering. Yeah. And we just wanted time to get through it today. Oh, you couldn't so, touch on all of it. <laughs> social media and everything, yeah. <laughs> Well, social media is is a pet yeah. favourite of mine. Yeah. So that's something. In fact, um, has Sherry Fitzgerald started embracing TikTok yet? Well, not quite yet. <laughs> not quite. But we're check that out before check you that come out. back yeah. to us in November. Yes, let us know how you got on because we're we're um, we're getting into on that at the moment, and it's certainly interesting. Anyway, it, it's an interesting one. Okay, that was Joanne Geary, director of um, of customer experience and innovation from Sherry Fitzgerald. Thank you so much for joining us, Joanne. And again, hopefully you'll come back to us maybe in November, and and we can see how some of those English inquiries are panning out. Be delighted. Stay tuned after the break, and we'll be joined by Louise Murphy, sales director and co-founder of Psylocke. Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM. Oh, will you look at them go? I wish I had their energy. Ah, they're good for the soul though, aren't they? I can't imagine life without Lucky. <laughs> but he might outlive me yet. Oh, well take my advice and sign up for a Dog's Trust Canine Care card. It's completely free and it's given me such peace of mind since I did. What's that? Well, it's simple really. It means if you pass away before Lucky, Dogs Trust will take him in and give him the care and love he needs until they match him with the perfect forever home. That sounds terrific. How much did you say it costs? It doesn't cost a cent. Great. How do I sign up? Just text CARE to 50100 and they'll call you with more information. Or you can go to dogstrust.ie. Well, that's wonderful advice. I'll do that right away. Here, Lucky. Good boy. Whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union, where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply, Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Senior Line is a confidential telephone service for older people. Free phone 1-800-80-45-91. We're open every day of the year from 10am till 10pm, including Christmas Day and New Year. So it's free phone 1-800-80-45-91. We're there if you need someone to talk to and need someone to listen. We're older people too, so we will understand and we're very good at listening. Did you get the senior line number? It's free phone 1-800-80-45-91. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. 
Welcome back to Property Matters here on Dublin South FM with Carol Tallon and myself, Emma Hayes. As mentioned before the break, in studio with us now is Louise Murphy, Sales Director and Co-Founder of Cyclock. Louise, you are very welcome to the show and thanks for dropping in this evening. I know uh, it was a bit of a jaunt getting here. <laughs> thanks very much, ladies. The lovely Dublin traffic, yes, yes. indeed. Well, you're based in Nice, but we're working nationwide. Yes, yes, exactly. And actually shipping worldwide. So, yeah, we are based from, we're based in Nice and we moved up to a new premises there at the start of the year. Um, it's working out very well for us um, and we're closer to Dublin I suppose where a lot of our meetings would be um, but at the same time um, you know we're on a good kind of a network of roads down to Cork and Limerick etc A road that is improving I hope if I hear promises up the N7 Yes uh, know, it's much better <laughs> much better the three ah, lanes is. now has made a big difference yeah, I so, so Actually I was working in County Clare yesterday up and down the same day I, I couldn't get over the difference actually yeah. so it's, it's amazing but uh, tell us actually what Cyclock is Okay. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the short kind of version, I suppose, they're smart bike lockers. Okay. Um, so they're cloud-based um, bike locker storage systems. Um, the whole point is that we're trying to produce and uh, make a product available to cyclists that is short-term on-demand bike parking as opposed to long-term. So because of that, it's multi-user and it's a very fair system because it's available for all cyclists. So like I suppose a multi-storey car park, once a space becomes available, the next person can use it. Whereas traditional bike parking would be long-term locker systems where you would rent them for a year at a time. Um, the only problem with that is that, um, you know, when you're not using it, nobody else can use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a set amount of people that have access to those lockers. Whereas our system, it's if there's a locker available, it's available for anyone. Yeah, I, ah, okay. your, your business offering is most definitely on trend. Um, I can remember about two years ago, there was um, a civil engineering company going to take offices in Dublin um, and in in Dublin too. And one of their requirements was bike parking. And the agent, Mm. you know, saw that there was a bicycle rack and thought, well, there's bike parking, no problem. And actually, it turns out that uh, as it was described to me, most of the people who would need to use these, they're bikes were much more expensive than my car mm-hmm. and they weren't going to leave them out because there was no shelter. Yes. So I had it hadn't even dawned on me at that point that actually when people want um, bike parking they need something much more than the yeah. racks we're seeing or even the weatherproof racks we're seeing that actually there's a huge security issue now that maybe we just maybe it wasn't the case where we were we maybe not using bicycles as expensive? We, we've definitely increased the amount of bicycle usage mm-hmm. um, and also the price of bicycles have gone up. So the average mm-hmm. price now is between 850 and 1,000 mm-hmm. euro Whoa. per bike, okay. um, which is quite a lot of money. And oftentimes I say to people, you know, would you put your, your iPad outside and lock it to a bike rack and mm-hmm. hope that it's safe and secure? It's, uh, you no. know, so they, and, and it's somebody's mode of transport. So whether it's mm-hmm. 200 euro or it's 2,000 euro, if it's your mode of transport and, you know, it's important to you and you obviously don't want it vandalised or stolen. Um, so with the increasing amount of uh, bike usage out there but then the theft is rising as well and I mean mm. it can go, look there's plenty of statistics out there that can give you lots of different figures but on average is about four to 500 bikes stolen a week in Ireland. Four to five hundred. Yes, that's yes. A, that's a lot of them go unreported. Um, a lot of them um, are not recovered. Uh, there's less than one percent conviction rate, 
one in four people will stop cycling if their bike is stolen. Um, you know, average people who, who cycle quite regularly will have an average of two bikes stolen in their lifetime. Um, it's just, it's it's a really big problem. And I think it's only highlighted um, when you start to talk about these things. Um, for example, Dublin City Council are putting out bike stands at the moment um, and their, their aim is to put out about 2,000 of them a year. Um, that's not going to cover the growth in cycling, but unfortunately it's not also covering the security issue. Mm-hmm. because you know when you see are these the new smart locks no they're just bike racks they're just okay. simple That's simple bike stands like Sheffield stands mm-hmm. um, and you know with the rise in dockless bikes which is fantastic bleeper bike in, in Dublin mm-hmm. um, you know that's a great service as well uh, added on to the, um, the Dublin bike scheme so more and more people are cycling you can you move around the city on bikes but unfortunately they need to be locked to public stands which means there's even less for people who use their own bikes I hadn't even thought about that actually because you just assume that they're driven from point to point from Mm. one Dublin bike point to another Dublin bike point. There's only a finite number of bike stands out there publicly available and um, it, it's 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 in shortfall. There, there aren't enough. But aside from that, um, even if you see a set of bike stands that are empty, it's not because there aren't any cyclists. It's because the cyclists don't want to park there because they right. don't deem it secure. Security issues. Which is yeah. that's understandable. Yeah. Totally understandable. And now that you're saying about four to five hundred, like, that's a huge that's amount. A huge that's huge amount. Huge. And actually, earlier in the show, we were just talking about how, um, you know, the nature of incentives that employers provide um, yes. facilities that their employers provide to their employees has really changed. So, you know, we're talking about offering food, uh, free food and the provision of food. food and actually, I presume that this is something particularly in the city centre, um, particularly down around the Docklands with our international employers, uh, where we've got an increased number of cyclists and we're seeing some amazing cycling innovations coming through Smart Dublin. You know, they've really embraced this and and they're pushing this. This, is this something that um, larger employers are embracing? Do they, is this a solution they're looking for? Yes, it is. We, we deal with a lot of corporates. Um, we've one very large tech giant um, down in Cork um, who put in our systems, uh, started putting in systems in 2016. Um, they've bought new systems every year, so added to those. And um, it's nice to be able to say now that they've actually seen a 67% increase in cyclists to work. Just um, from having the facility having to ours, safely yeah. park. Sense, because yeah. there's people that have, I mean, there's people who have really nice bikes at home that could cost mm-hmm. 5000 Mm-hmm. You know, euro and upwards. Mm-hmm. They never considered cycling before. All of a sudden, it's kind of like if you build it, they will come. And um, they come out of the woodwork and say, so. "Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to cycle to work maybe two mornings a week." Mm. There's showers in work. There's all those facilities there. I can actually do it as part of my commute or as part of my fitness as well, mm. where I might cycle the twenty or thirty k into work a couple of days a week because I've somewhere safe and secure to park my bike when I get there. Okay, and Louise, you're uh, you're a graduate of. DCU Ryan Academy High yeah, Flyers Programme. Oh, really? And I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> and Neve Collins that's is right. one of your champions. So that's how I came aware of what you were doing. And it's amazing to see the progress that's being made. So this summer, you've had a number of rollouts. Yeah, so we've had a, a large kind of a shopping centre rollout this summer. So I think we're up to about 10 new sites now um, around the country. 
So we've right. uh, we've installed in um, Donegal, in Dundalk, in Limerick, in Cork, <laughs> in Dublin. Um, so we're we're all over the country. Um, and the shopping centres that works very well because you've a lot of staff that cycle to work mm-hmm. um, work in the shopping centres. But also then you've got the customers arriving, and there's um, some great um, statistics out there that show that if you bring an average of twelve people to a car parking space on bikes, they will actually increase the retail spend fourfold in the in the area. So sorry, can you repeat so, those figures? So oh they spend more money basically. So it's fourfold. Um, twelve people coming to one car parking space in a retail area. Um, it's a Melbourne study that, that was done. I suppose that makes sense, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. So you know, if you if you wow. encourage cyclists to come to your site, they will spend more money. That's amazing, you know. So it's a, it's a, it's it's good for everybody. And for cyclists, they want to have somewhere that's close to the entrance, is easy to use. Mm. They don't want to have to go down to an underground car park miles mm. away. In is the that corner. normally what happens? Well, that's where bike parking ends up because it's quite unsightly if it's just racks and stands. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're trying to educate the market is: no, actually, you can have a really nice piece of street furniture outside your front entrance, where you can house bikes mm-hmm. there and it looks really well it can act as a feature and um, we can wrap the units as well for advertising and we can also put screens in the tower for additional advertising so you so can roll these out anywhere I suppose exactly, and yeah. like I, I was at a hotel a couple of weeks ago and we stayed for the weekend and I remember at five o'clock you saw loads of people leaving on their bikes because it's quite five in the it's in them no five in the evening okay. <laughs> no I wasn't up at that time <laughs> but <laughs> basically all these people were leaving and then but when you walked around the hotel there was just bikes everywhere and it was in the middle of nowhere so I'd say a lot of people in local communities were kind of cycling their bikes and I was kind of thinking to like would you really leave your bike on the ground like and I suppose is that what they were doing yeah yeah and I was just now that you're saying it like that would be a great solution hotel to Louise yeah 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 yeah. like it's just it just goes to show like you know that that there's obviously solutions for everything I wasn't aware of cycling I mentioned it to my daughter the other day that you were coming on and she showed me where you are in Nace discussing well she knew this she's 11 (laughs) and she was like yeah yeah you put the bike in there and that's it 11 year olds are far more aware of actually the changes that need to happen it's amazing uh, from a yeah. sustainability point of view as well so actually I think they're far yeah, more clued in yeah. Um, yeah. so Louise I understand just you know we were discussing earlier about planning regulations that have changed yes. so that actually benefits you but it benefits more importantly bicycle owners yeah. so can you explain those to us well there's a big move towards a sustainable environment um, you know it's it's all the planning regulations around providing the proper facilities and infrastructure for cyclists um, and you know Dublin really needs to, to pull their socks up I think on the infrastructure side of things and we saw that mm. from Velo 2019 um, that was here in June um, how we need to work on creating a safe space and you know Dublin Cycling Campaign and I Bike Dublin they've all been fantastic in you know having a voice where you know keep cyclists safe because it is quite dangerous to cycle around Dublin mm-hmm. um, but then it's all fine if you have this fantastic infrastructure then you need somewhere to park the bikes when they get to their destination so I suppose that's where we come in um, and the planning regulations now for urban housing for new developments is that there's one um, safe and secure storage area per bed and then one per visitor per two residents so you basically need to provide for your visitors as well. Um, okay. And we saw bicycle this. Bicycle parking. A bicycle parking. But it can't just be 
a couple of racks or a couple of toast stands <laughs> in the corner. It has to be very accessible, safe and secure, um, easy to use um, and it has to be effective mm. so that people will use it and that they're happy to use it and they're happy to ditch the car for their bikes. Okay. Because we are moving towards electric bikes as well and electric scooters. Just we talked about that earlier. <laughs> um, and yes. with our system we can charge e-bikes and e-scooters in them as well. So we're not oh, only providing the security but also that yeah. you're charging them while they're parked. So mm. You see, I can absolutely see the benefits for the bicycle um, user but uh, you know at the end of the day we're talking about property developments we're talking about property managers uh, portfolio managers you know what's the what's the cost of this um, there's, I mean, there's various different ways that you can acquire the system. You can purchase it, you can lease it, or you can do it on a managed service. Mm-hmm. So similar to that of a managed print services, for example, we have managed bike parking services. So we provide the end-to-end service to you for a monthly fee. Um, we're different to other, I suppose, bike, bicycle parking providers in that we come out we do it from start to finish we come out we do a site survey we look at how many people do you want to accommodate what your space is available and what your budget is and then we tailor a suitable system to you but does it have to be a cost to the to the property owner um, not necessarily. You can charge um, for parking, um, because well, as people of, do for car parking. Exactly, because it's of very high security, and you'll find mm. that a lot of people will be happy to pay a nominal fee to make sure their bike is going to be there when they get out, whether it's in the morning or the evening. Mm. Um, so they're quite happy to pay a nominal fee for it, and for that, then you are basically getting your return on investment. So you're putting in the infrastructure, but it's paying for itself. So. Is it a case that if you had spare space that wasn't being used or that wasn't being used in an optimum way? Yes. That these lockers could be put in and it could actually become a revenue generating asset. Absolutely. For the property. Absolutely. Right. So is that happening at the moment? Is this something that asset managers have embraced? Um, Well, very much so in shopping centres. Um, because they realise that you know they want to encourage cyclists to the centre, but then they also—it's another way of of generating extra revenue too on dead space that may not be used for something mm. else. Mm. So when we talk about how much uh, space a cyclock unit takes up, an average unit is twelve individual lockers, mm. um, and that's one car park space. So it's a very good use of space. Um, but then what we say to people is, don't consider just car parking spaces. To, to put the cyclock unit on, use the dead space. You know, it's, it's modular, so it's like pieces of a cake. So we can fit them into corners, we can put them in semicircles, we can put them as full features mm. as full circles um, and use the space, maybe paved areas that are not being used for anything else. You can pretty much put a cyclock unit there. It's, it's very easy to install. Um, it can be moved if necessary as well. So yeah. if there's going to be a change it's in planning. Very compact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Louise, where can people go to find out more information? Um, well, you can go to our website, uh, cyclock.ie, that's cyc-lok.ie, or info at cyclock.ie. Oh. Well, brilliant. Thanks very much, uh, Louise. That was Louise Murphy, Sales Director and Co-Founder of Cyclock. Thank you for joining us today. That's it from us in studio today, and thank you for joining us on Property Matters, the show where property matters. Get in touch with the show by emailing hello at ipropertyradio.com or on Twitter at ipropertyradio. Okay, and we'd also like to thank our guests for joining us here today. And thanks to Shane Flynn, who's on sound for the very last time as he's leaving us for Japan. So best of luck on your travels, Shane. We're back at the same time next week with Brian Fox back at the helm. Uh, Thank you, Emma, for filling in. So from Emma Hayes and myself, Carol Tallon, have a great week. We'll be right back. 